I will be covering uh, from the Old Testament, Psalm 24, and Sherry will be covering uh, a really good reading from the New Testament. This is Psalm 24. Listen closely. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. And I'm going to be reading from John, chapter 20, verse 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus turned to her and said, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. 
I forgot the most important part. Oops, sorry. Let me try it again. I forgot the most important part of my welcoming our new members. So Gabe, um, Zaylin, and Chris, can you come back up here? But I want you to bring with you people. Yeah, come, come and stand here. Just stand on the floor. And what I want is I want people from the congregation who know these people, who love these people, I want you to come and stand around them and put a hand on them because we're going to pray for them. So if you can just come right now out of your seats and come and stand behind these guys. You guys can spread out a little bit. You don't have to just stand there. Yeah, you can spread out. People can come around and just put a hand on a shoulder because we are going to stand, or if you would like to stand in prayer in support of them, we just want to surround these people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to thank them for their bravery, for their courage, and we just want to support them. You guys can move, move. Chris, actually, if you slide over to the other side of the yeah, let's just slide over there because we got so many people that want to surround you and pray for you. Let's just slide you over there and let's just put our, our hands on them or the hand just beside them because this is about supporting and caring for those that are part of our congregation and we just want to support them today. And you just pray together with me as we pray for these young people who've courageously stepped out in faith today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for this day. Lord, again, this is the day that we celebrate your resurrection, that you defeated death and that you are alive today and that you've taken our sins and buried them in the deepest sea. Lord, we thank you so much for the courage of Chris and Gabe and Zaylin, and we thank you for their desire to become followers of Jesus through baptism and also the obedience that they have to join the church and to serve and to be a part of this church. We thank you for the support they have, the visual support that they see right now of people around them who, who are praying for them or who have been praying for them. And God, we thank you again that we're part of your body, the church. We thank you, Lord, that you've created it this way, that we can support and care for one another and encourage one another and build each other up. And we just continue to pray for PCC, that we can be a light in this city, that we can be a light to the world. And we thank you, God, how you've blessed Bless us richly with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come on these people. Use them, gift them, and guide them, Holy Father. We thank you that you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Isn't it wonderful when half the church gets up to pray? Yeah, I think that's awesome. I just want to say thank you for being here. It's good to be together in person, but it's also good to be able to gather with those who couldn't be here in person who are watching online. And we're so thankful that you made space to join us on Resurrection Sunday. And I just want to start off by saying, Christ is risen! Christ is risen. Christ is risen. That's why we're here. Not just today, but every Sunday we gather because Christ is the resurrected one. He is alive and alive forevermore. And that is at the foundation of what we proclaim and what we believe. It is what we hold on to. It is our hope. And that one day Christ, the one who lives, will one day return in glory and finish his work renewing all of creation. So as we celebrate the resurrection today, we come to the stories in scripture where we see Jesus appear after being raised from the dead. 
Now, preachers all around the world uh, will be recounting this story from one of the Gospels, each with the goal of sharing the news of Jesus, that Jesus rose from the grave. But their goal isn't just to convince each of us that the resurrection from the dead, of Je- from the dead um, is an actual historical fact of Jesus being raised from the dead. Preachers want you to understand that the resurrection is life-changing for each of us as we choose to embrace Jesus. When it comes to preaching the resurrection, no matter how much we may want a new angle or a new take on the resurrection, there are no new angles or takes. There are just the stories we have in the Gospels and the truth that Jesus is alive. And that's what the stories recount. And then they provide details to support this claim. And the scriptures we have are, are sufficient. The scriptures ultimately call us to have faith in the story of Jesus' resurrection. And that's the choice we have to make. And it's an act of faith since we do not encounter Jesus physically alive in the body as the disciples did. The account of Thomas's doubting in John 20, later on after what we read, and Jesus, his doubting Jesus' resurrection, um, Jesus proclaims to, to Thomas, blessed are those who believe without seeing first. That's us. We are blessed for believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And preachers want to see change when they preach this truth. They want to see change when they ask you to step out in faith. But since the story never changes, what should change? What should change in each of us and how we respond? Every preacher wants to see each person wrestle with the resurrection, and there are many ways we can respond to it. And we see that in this morning's story as we see three different people interact. For some, we have faith and believe the story of the resurrection almost immediately. We consider it, and we're like, yes, I believe it. And we see that in this morning's story with the beloved disciple John. We read this about him in verse 8. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. And it tells us they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. But John, he, go, he, he gets there, and he just believes. Isn't that remarkable? Just that sense of faith that he had, that trust in this, that amazement, that, wow, I believe it. Jesus is alive. Talk about faith. And for some of you, that is the situation you may find yourself in. You heard the story, or you've heard it, and, and you've chosen to believe. You're all in. Others of you might respond like Peter, someone who goes the extra step to understand. Mary and and, uh, John arrive at the tomb, but Peter doesn't just look into the tomb. Peter goes right into the tomb looking for more information. He wants to dig a bit deeper into what happened. He wants to get all the facts and all the details. And he's in there and he sees the graves closed and they're folded neatly. And Peter recognizes no one stole the body. After all, no thieves are going to stop and take off the grave clothes. 
and I don't think any thieves are going to stop, take off the grave clothes, and fold them. Either they're very considerate. No. It's just not reality. So Peter knows something else has happened. Peter considers it and gives weight. He examines the facts of the situation. And eventually Peter will believe. Not immediately, but he will believe eventually. And then others are like Mary. Mary seems confused as to what happened. She arrives at the tomb first. Mary, who was so faithful, wasn't she? In so many ways. She arrives there first, and the tomb is opened. So she runs to the disciples, this has happened! She's unsure, she's upset, she's concerned. Something's happened, but they're not sure what. And Mary takes time. She reaches out to others. She struggles along, trying to figure out what's going on, questioning and wondering. She goes back to the tomb to wait there, not home like the disciples did. She sticks with it, waiting for something. And what she needed was an encounter with someone to help her understand. And sometimes that's for us. We need to encounter somebody else who already knows the truth, who can help us understand, somebody who's been there or been where we are and can actually help us wrestle through what's there. And I hope all of us who believe Jesus is Lord and Savior are willing to have that conversation with anybody. And Mary talked to various people. She talked to the two disciples at first. And then as she persevered, wrestling with what had happened, and she returned to the tomb, she, awaiting answers, she encounters two angels. Now, while we may not have the blessing of angels proclaiming Christ resurrected to us, I do believe we have the benefit of another encounter Mary had. She encounters who she thought was a gardener until he called her name and she recognized him as Jesus. Alive. Jesus was alive. I believe if we're willing to wait, if we're willing to continue wrestling and are willing to see Jesus for who he is, Jesus will encounter you where you are at, just like he did Mary. Others of you may take a different route. Doubting, not believing. Maybe Easter service is something you do just to humor family. And it's something you'd rather not do and you'd rather dismiss what we're talking about today. Really, you, you really think today still that people rise from the dead? Whoa. Yeah, it's crazy. In our world, it's crazy. But we're not talking about our world. We're talking about God. Now, you might not believe in God. Well, that's your beef. We believe in God. And I believe God is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, all-present. So bringing somebody back from the dead doesn't really seem to be that high up on a difficulty level for God in my books. So you might be doubting, not believing, and we see that actually as well later in chapter 20. We mentioned Thomas. Thomas doesn't believe that Jesus is resurrected yet. And he states, though, the criteria for, which it would, or for what it would take for him to believe. I won't believe until I can touch the wounds in his hand and his side with my own hands. 
I want to challenge you. If you're doubting that Jesus rose from the grave, what proof do you need to change your mind? What would it take to change your understanding of the Easter story? Because that's the integrity of holding to a faith is to wrestle with things, to be open to other things. What would it take for you to admit that Jesus rose from the grave? Jesus met Thomas where he was at and let him touch the wounds of his hands and his feet. So my question is, if you're having doubts, are you open to having your doubts proved wrong? And if you are, what would that look like to you? The question we need to ask, though, is after we come to an understanding of the resurrection, what do we do with it? Because it's great to say, oh, wow, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And we, we, we simplify the gospel to Jesus rose from the dead. If you say that you want to follow him, he'll forgive all your sins. And we, we simplify the gospel to that. Oh, and then you'll get into heaven. Right? But Jesus doesn't talk like that in Scripture when we read the Gospels. Jesus calls us to give our whole life for him, to follow him in all things. So if we're going to proclaim Jesus' resurrected, the question is, what are you going to do with it? And I think those are the questions we can each ask. Maybe it's recommitting yourself to what you already hold to. And Easter is a time where you re-engage, always saying, I'm going to keep persevering, keep moving forward. I'm going to make that commitment again today. Or maybe it's saying, I'm going to step up. What do you do with the truth that Jesus rose from the grave? The first possibility is you do as Mary did. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers. So Mary is the first preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And I love that. First to the tomb, first to be the preacher. Seems appropriate to me. She does a great job. She preached that Jesus was alive and shared the good news. So the first question is, are you willing to share that good news with others? If this is something you believe, that Jesus rose from the dead, that this is good news for all, it's something we should be sharing with others. Telling others about, not timid about. And yes, people are going to think you're crazy sometimes. That's okay. Our worth doesn't come from other people, it comes from God. There are also other people who will hold on to what you say and allow their life to be transformed and changed by the grace of Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again and will one day return. The question, though, is even bigger than just sharing a story of a resurrection. Mary, in her grieving and talking to disciples, uses an interesting phrase. She refers to Jesus as the Lord. The Lord is alive! The one, the Lord, the master. Her proclamation to the disciples is, I've seen the Lord. And that's not just saying Jesus is alive, but that the ruler of her life, the master of her life is alive. It's not just saying Jesus lives, but that he rules her life still. 
Jesus had taught her another way of living. He'd called his disciples to live as a part of God's kingdom and not the kingdoms of the world. His disciples had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And that is something that Israel had been waiting for. The Messiah who'd rule over all. The Messiah who could approach God on behalf of a sinful world. The one who could save all of God's people. We read Psalm 24 this morning. And in it we see the psalmist ask a question. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Who's worthy? The psalmist is looking around. Who? Who's actually worthy to do this? He's asking a question because he knows there's supposed to be somebody. And the psalmist recognizes it's going to take someone special to approach God because of how sinful and broken the world is. And so the psalmist eventually comes to the conclusion of who could stand in God's presence. And the psalmist writes, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart But we know from experience in Scripture, all sin, none of us have clean hands and a pure heart. All you have to do, if you don't even believe in God, is look around the world and say, do you really think the world's a great place? Do you really think we as humanity has got it together enough to take care of ourselves well? All you have to do is look at how broken the world is. How much hurting there is. How much death and illness and suffering there is. We believe that that's the result of sin, of our choice to turn from God and do things ourselves, not to trust the Creator, as Psalm 24 reminds us, that the earth is the Lord's. We want to do it ourselves, and we're not doing it great. In fact, we're not doing it good at all. Only God can. So Israel was waiting for one who would come and be able to approach God on their behalf. But the psalmist doesn't stop there. He identifies who this individual is that could approach God, and he writes, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The king of glory is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. So who can approach God? In a world that's so broken, the king of glory can. And the king of glory is the one who wins the battle. Not a military battle, but the battle against sin and evil in this world. A battle that was won by Jesus dying on the cross and being raised to life. And we realize that Jesus fulfills all that Psalm 24 talks about. Jesus has won the battle over sin and evil. Jesus has won the battle to defeat the powers and principalities of this world and their hold on us. Jesus has defeated the power of death in this world. Jesus has won the battle for our lives. A battle that is rooted in the love of God for each of us. That we were so separated from God, we couldn't even approach God because of our sinfulness and brokenness. But Jesus paid the price for us, being the lamb who is sacrificed. And by his death, he paid the price for all our sins 
so we could then have a relationship with God. And the psalmist recognizes the one who wins the battle is the king of glory. And the psalmist asks, who is the king of glory? The Lord Almighty. The Lord. And Mary said to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, he's alive. The Lord Almighty, the same Lord that Mary proclaims is alive. We realize that Jesus is the one who approaches God on our behalf. And because of that, we can now approach God and be in relationship with God. Restoring the relationship we had at creation before we sinned. Allowing us to be in relationship with the one true God. What a gift. What something to celebrate. And so, Jesus is the king of glory. So we come on Resurrection Sunday proclaiming Jesus raised from the dead. But that's not enough. We need to proclaim him as the Lord of our lives, as the king of glory. The one who reigns that we give our life to, the one that we choose to follow and live for each and every day that we live for his kingdom and not the kingdom of the world, that we sacrifice the things of this world so we can be the people God wants us to be, to let go of the brokenness in this world that holds this world and to enter the world and be in the world as grace and love, to be the workers of the kingdom, spreading the good news that Jesus is raised from the dead and he is king over all, and that through that king, we have eternal hope. We have the gift of eternal life, we have a restored relationship with God and we're able to have the life that God desires for us, not the one that the world tries to give us. The answer is Jesus, my friends. Jesus is the one who makes all that possible. Jesus is the Lord Almighty, the King of glory. Easter is the new beginning the world needed to overcome all that is wrong. Easter brings about the new life that is found in God. Easter is the new beginning promised by God in Scripture. Easter means that there is hope in our struggles, comfort in our grief, and the knowledge that God wins. Knowledge that not even death can stop what God is doing. Knowledge that we rise to new life in Jesus, just as Jesus rose from the grave. And the call on us is not just to share that Jesus is alive, but to live like Jesus is alive and to live for him our King of glory. Please bow with me in prayer. Jesus, we come to you in awe at your work. We come so thankful for the sacrifice you paid, giving of your life on the cross for all of us, bearing the weight of all the sin and brokenness on the world and paying the price for that so we could have a relationship with God once again and not be separated by that sin and brokenness. We come in thankfulness of that, Lord, but even more so in awe that you came back to life, that you were resurrected, that we are awed by the miracle of the resurrection. Not that, you were, that it was possible, but that, God, you loved us so much. You did this for us, to have a relationship with us.
to change our lives for the better, to be the people you want us to be, to have the fullness of life you call us to. And I pray, Lord, you put your spirit on each of our, put it on each of our hearts by your spirit to live for you in this year ahead, to make you the king of our life day in and day out and turn from the world, but to live for the king of glory. In your name we pray, amen.